0: Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft on the full and new moon every month. Before we get started this week, I wanted to do a little celebrating because June 1st is the one year anniversary of this podcast. To celebrate, I'm going to be doing a collaborative giveaway with some witchy artisans on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure you're following Your Average Witch on social media so you don't miss the posts on how you can win some awesome prizes. My guest this week is Danielle, the Dancer Witch. Danielle talks about movement as magic, how incorporating color can help in magical practice, and that it's perfectly okay for us to dream and want big. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: Would you please introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you do and where they can find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am Danielle Hutton, also known as the Dancer Witch. Uh, It's pretty self-explanatory. I'm a dancer and a witch based out of Brooklyn, New York. I specialize in contemporary fusion belly dance, where I teach, perform, choreograph, and produce. So, yeah, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on Instagram as the Dancer Witch. Now,
0: what does it mean when you call yourself a witch?
1: For me, it is about connection to my divinity. It is connection to the power that I possess and how I wish to navigate the world and participate in the world. It is a connection to my ancestors. That's actually something that's very important to me is knowing, you know, that my ancestors are with me and guiding me and supporting me. And, you know, it's being able to not live by anyone else's terms or anyone else's standards, but fully embodying myself in all of my glory, Good. Bad shadows, lightness, everything.
0: Do you use dance and movement in your practice?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the first kind of real four way into that was through ecstatic dance. I lived in the West Coast for for a year back in 2011 and that's where I found ecstatic dance and the general premise is that it's this awesome ballroom space at the time in Oakland and there's no talking on the dance floor and you just move in the way that you want it to and because you know I was like pretty low income so I would like so I would volunteer and one of the things that I would love to do was set up the altar space as a way to kind of set the the ritual set the circle for for dance and seeing what comes up and i've had quite a few very powerful moments um from connecting with people without using words to kind of feeling like there was this um outer presence is kind of coming into my body and 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 I'm allowing my body to be used as this, this vessel, uh, for lack of a better term. And so, um, it was something that always stuck with me for a very long time. And I couldn't quite pinpoint the moment that I decided that I wanted to incorporate choreography as a part of my spell work, but Um, I just thought to myself, you know, it it would make sense. You know, there is such magic in the ability to move, you know, we're always like in this state of, of achieving flow state, you know, whether it is through writing or creating art or working out or dancing. And so like, of course it would just make sense that dance and magic work hand in hand with each other, with with each other.
0: It's so interesting to find how different witches find their flow because mine is with metalwork and jewelry. Yeah. And I have tried with dance some, but mostly it's metalwork because it's so intricate and complicated and it helps me get out of my brain. But I I love hearing about how different we all are in that, but that we all do it.
1: Yeah. And the thing that's really cool is that, especially when you're thinking about, um, choreography creation, you can really start to see how all of the elements work together in order to, in essence, create this big ritual, you know, this big spell. You know, you have earth, which is not just your physical space, but it's also your body and the shapes that you're creating with your body. Um, fire is is the passion it's the drive it's that inner will to to create you know water is kind of trusting in in your movement trusting into the choices that that you're making in the moment and then air you know it's all about the communication like what it is that you're projecting outward into into the universe you know that that you're asking for so for me, it was just something that that made so much sense. And it was like, why, why not use it? Why not? <laughs> Do you have
0: any daily rituals that you'll share with us?
1: Yeah. Um. So to give a little bit of backstory, I've been doing this work called Central Movement Manifestation. And it was organized and facilitated by Sarah Beyer, who's absolutely amazing human being mm-hmm. and artist. And, um, and so what I like to do in the morning is that I will like to, um, kind of write a statement of what I desire, um, how it would make me feel to be able to have it. And then I like to pull a tarot and an Oracle card for myself. And so that's something that I do every day. Um, I also journal, I love Writing. I love journaling. <laughs> I have, I, I've gone through about eight journals in the past two years, and they're all like pretty big, a lot of pages type journals that should, in theory, be very, very hard to get through in a short amount of time, but I am able to do it. <laughs> and so that is a very big part of my of my practice of, of my ritual, just like having the space to just set, set like what it is that I want for myself for the day, allow myself to release all thoughts. And then um, when I actually do do the movement, it varies, but at the very least, you know, I have that desire and I make it very clear and make it known right from the beginning. I want to do that now. I want
0: to do, I want to do your thing now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really fun and I'm really grateful to be able to do it. Um, You know, uh, Sarah started it back, back in October of last year. And it was something that I personally needed because I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And you know, it really helped me, um, connect back into my body and connect into, you know, being able to want things, but then also be able to say that I want big things. I think a lot of times, um, especially for women, individuals who are assigned female as birth, from presenting individuals, You know, we're taught to downplay Mm -hmm. our desires. And so it's like, what if we allow ourselves to actually desire big? And, and it was a very big help in terms of getting me through it. You know, it wasn't the only thing I will admit, but you know, being able to connect to my body in, in that way again, especially since I was in a like peak survival mode. At that time um I think helped me kind of weather that that storm that was my life <laughs> last year. Yeah, the past I can't even differentiate
0: like the past two and a half years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um it it was such a it was such a thing because in twenty twenty I got sick i I was very very sick non covid related um I actually have an autoimmune disorder that uh culminated in this really bad infection in my leg, and you know I've been dancing for twenty years now it'll be twenty one years, and you know at first it was like, oh well, this is just an ache and pain from dancing and and all the things and then it just wouldn't go away it wouldn't go away and at first I thought that it was sciatica and you know doing all these things that that would helping and um at one point I had to do a show uh, aphrodisiac and I couldn't I could barely walk much less dance like I would be limping if I wanted to get from my bed to my living room and it could take me like five minutes, you know, versus, you know, 10 seconds. And, you know, that was where I did a performance just sitting in a chair all the while I didn't know that I was in sepsis. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe a week and a half after filming that I was in the hospital. For four days, (laughs) you know, I, we
0: can push ourselves to do things like that and then find out later what we were doing,
1: you know, and the funny thing was that in 2019, I was just saying, you know, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. I need to, to scale back a little bit. I need to be more discerning about the shows that I do because, you know, it, this is, this is being very draining. And you know, of course, that is very much like the body's signal of like rest, rest, rest. But then, you know, I didn't. I kept going until collectively the universe was like, uh, ah, nope, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not doing anything. Look, and I did it once. <laughs> all, and then, you know, and then it all came to a head. And And it's not to say that like the universe caused my illness or anything like that. Like I'm aware that what I have is genetic. Um, but it was kind of interesting that in the time that, that I was saying like, I'm tired and I want to rest was also the same time that, that my illness came to a head. And of course, like after I was first, after the doctors first found out what was going on, um, I was not allowed dance for um for two months until I actually had to have the second surgery to in essence fix everything and then it wasn't until about October that I started dancing again because I I got sick around the end of April early early May and then it all came to this big thing, like at the end of May, early June, and then I was in the hospital for four days. And I mean, it was, it was a whole ordeal. And then my doctor is like, yeah, like we've got to have surgery. I, you know, we've been trying to hold off on it, but the reality is that your case is probably one of the most severe that I have in all my years being a doctor. And I'm like 30 seven going on 38 and and you know I I did not have a whole lot of pain or anything like that but it was just it was severe so you know it it was definitely a a challenging thing to like not be able to move all that time
0: I imagine
1: oh it was it was hard it was very very hard um But then, you know, when I did that performance, just sitting in a chair, uh, one of my friends said to me, like, that was one of the best things that you've ever done. You know, just having this limitation of like, I can only work with my arms and my upper body because I had no ability to use my, my legs or my hips because I, it would be super painful.
0: Yeah. That would be really bittersweet for me to hear.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, like, I'm grateful for the rest. And, you know, I'm grateful that we're able to figure it out before things got even worse. And, you know, and now I have this ability to dance and, and lift and and that feels really good. And I don't take it for granted because I, I know that it, I could have lost that ability altogether.
0: Now... You said genetics, which makes me think of family. And then family makes me think of your statement earlier on ancestors. Do you have very much of a family history with witchcraft? Interestingly enough,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) Or at the very least, I am the only one that's very open about it. Um, my, My grandmother... Was a, was Christian. Um, my aunt's Christian. My mom's not really a practitioner. Um, I grew up in the church, um, an Episcopalian, uh, church. And so that's kind of what it was for me. And then interestingly enough, um, like many millennial girls, <laughs> I saw the craft when I was yeah. 10 <laughs> <In> or <laughs> 11. <laughs> and it it resonated with me a great deal, um you know, like just having that ability to take the power into your own hands and in a lot of ways like that that resonated a lot and then, um, when I was in junior high, I remember going on this school trip and one of the girls that I was rooming with had a book on witchcraft and you know, she was kind of like, Oh, we should create a coven, we should make a coven and I was like, Yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, unfortunately nothing ever really like came from that, but you know, it was something that, that really stuck with me. But, you know, because my my family as a whole is very I don't I mean they're Christian but they're not the like repent or go to hell type like they're not they're not that kind of a Christian fortunately um like I like I still was kind of finding my way so I I didn't feel comfortable or safe being open about it then or having that desire to explore my spirituality in that respect um and so, it was something that like I kept hidden to myself for for a long time, and then I would just kind of dabble in and out, in and out. But then, interestingly enough, it my first tarot deck came from another belly dancer. <laughs> yeah, it's um, so
0: funny how this that, that the the worlds intertwine. <laughs> That with those two specifically,
1: yeah. So, so there was this old um forum called Buzz B H U Z dot com, and that was strictly for belly dancers. And this will tell you how long I've been in the game to be able to like remember that website. Um, and I don't remember what really compelled me to do it, but she had a couple of tarot decks for sale, and I was like, you know what? I I I want to buy one. I'm I'm very curious. Like I'm curious. Like I I want to I want to get one. And I don't remember uh what deck it was that I got, but it was something that just like stuck with me and then she and I would just connect on on tarot decks and we would talk about like decks we liked, tech, decks we didn't like. We would give each other readings and things like that. It was like such a such a powerful thing and to be able to kind of have that connection via dance though like in a different way it almost felt like it was something that was meant to happen you know i think um i was my calling as a witch came from dance like that was part of me and it was only a matter of time before all of that Come, like gets to come together and just really show itself in its brightest like it still took even more time because I think I I connected with her back in like 2007 2008 but then you know I found ecstatic dance in 2011 um you know it still took time for me to kind of find that bridge but then once I did, it really felt um it really felt like a big overwhelming yet super quiet yes. That's, like that's how it felt for me.
0: What would you say is your biggest motivator in your practice?
1: I think the biggest motivator for my practice is the desire to live my life in my own way on my own terms and not having to answer to anyone else. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm pretty open about being a witch and things like that. And, you know, I'm lucky enough in that, um, I've only had one instance of, you know, someone trying to be like, what you're doing is simple, But, you know, like people don't pay me any minds. Like I, I kind of own, <laughs> own the kookiness, <laughs> so to speak, you know, especially like when I'm at the gym. And what I like to do is on my whiteboard, I will write out my workout and then I'll have a symbol or a will create a sigil that has like the intention that that I want and you know the coaches will come by and be like oh what does that symbol mean and I would just simply say oh it's just an affirmation that I need for myself and you know I don't tell them what exactly the symbol means because you know obviously that's private for me but you know I say it and they're like okay that's cool you know I, I rock with that or you know like sometimes I've I've joked about like oh if you need somebody to get out of your hair like you know, I highly recommend you know doing the freezer spell you know you know that that sort of thing yeah. <laughs> you know i'm just i'm just very like matter of fact about it you know i'm i'm and like my community like that the crew like they they're completely aware and they're cool with it um uh I even offered to make like a protect like a protection slash safe travels, like mini jar for an upcoming trip. And, you know, and and he's like, yeah, I would totally appreciate it, you know, that sort of thing. And, and yeah, it, for me, it's just like being able to just be myself and, and not have to apologize for it. Because I think growing up, I, um, I was kind of trying to fit into other people's expectations of me but then you know at the same time it's like why does it feel like I'm a kid playing dress up and not you know not feeling like myself whoever myself was at the time
0: (laughs) I always felt like I had to apologize for existing
1: yeah yeah um, for
0: being yeah, for being who I was, and apologize. For, oh, sorry, well that's I'm sorry. This is who I am, and it's not what you needed me to be or expect.
1: It. Yeah, uh, someone the other day, um, I was a part of a, a kind of a a Zoom cocktail hour sort of thing, and this individual said something very powerful that resonated with me. And they said, "Pleasure." Is an act of resistance. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Mm. You know, like pleasure in that, like in order to be completely and fully yourself when, you know, when you are marginalized, not just by gender, sexual orientation, race, socioeconomic status, you know, ability that sort of thing. Like there is this expectation that suffering is supposed is expected and that we're just supposed to deal with suffering, but to be able to be like, yes, I am a, I'm a black bisexual woman with an autoimmune disorder who's nearing 40 and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to, do things that give me pleasure and i'm not going to apologize for it 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 is it can blow people's minds sometimes like it can and it can be very very uncomfortable because like in a lot of ways we are taught that we are not allowed to embrace pleasure pleasure is for that people have means to be able to do so. Someone like me. Do you me think
0: that's American? Right. Th- do you think that's an American thing? Like, if 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 your country isn't based on a puritanical kind of patriarchal garbage, do you think <laughs> they have that?
1: I mean, I I can only speak from the American yeah experience, me too. <laughs> but I think like any place that has capitalism is going to have that like no doubt about it any or any society any situation that has a very clear socioeconomic gap is going to have that and that's not to say that like i know the answer (laughs) because i don't but but we
0: can see something's wrong and not know how to fix it i mean just because I don't know how right. to fix a car, I can tell it's broken.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, you know, and then it's like, what do you do when people are like, well, I, well, because you personally don't know how to fix it, then, well, we can't fix it. Or why even bother to try to fix it? And, That's you know, like yeah, bad. that that is oh where things do get disheartening. Um, but. I think, you know, the first step is identifying the problem. And I think also, like, this is kind of why there is this newfound rejection of Christianity. Um, And it's because there is this identification of there being a problem and how, like, how the union of white supremacy plus Christianity has been used. As a tool for oppression, and now there are people who are like me, you know who grew up in in the church, and I'm creating an active rejection of that like i'm make I'm doing this as a way to connect to the ancestors who lived in Jamaica because that's where my my family's from um the the ancestors who were on the boats, the ancestors who who died and had their bodies thrown overboard, because they're the ones who matter to me. That's a whole. Other... <laughs> anyway, I went I went deep with that. That's what I like. <laughs>
0: I like hearing important yeah. things and meaningful things.
1: And so I I think part of part of being able to connect back to witchcraft and when I say that it's it's about honoring the ancestors, it's like I mean it's really going back to honoring the ancestors, honoring you know honoring the people who who were free to practice their spirituality. In, in Africa. And unfortunately, you know, I've never done like the 23 knees or ancestry.com stuff because I know there's something sketchy about companies holding on to DNA samples. I mean, as if like hospitals don't have my DNA samples. Um, but like being able to connect back to them and knowing that like they would rather die than succumb to the whims of this oppressive system that like I think that is what it is for me you know like I I'm actively rejecting this oppressive
0: system even
1: though like I am one person who has to live in it but if this is one way that I can do it I will do it wholeheartedly.
0: It seems like intention is like what everybody's talking about lately and like, Oh, well you, all you just really have to do is just mean it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that um, I almost feel like it's witchcraft one oh one where it's like, yes, you know, any, you know, any spell, you don't have to like, have big, elaborate rituals, right I don't do elaborate rituals, like my spell work comes when I'm dancing slash choreographing or when I'm working out, but it can't always just be like okay, here's this intention, but then I'm going to sit around and do nothing and wait for this intention to happen right like you've got to be able to have that space to to actually do the do the practical work do the the legwork you know so like let's say i want to create a spell to invite love into my life right it's not just about like getting the rose petals and hibiscus and and vanilla, like those are my particular plant allies, so <laughs> I'm just using those as an example or getting my my Venus oil and putting it and da da and putting it out there right It's not enough to be that, but it's also about doing the shadow work around like how do i how do I become confident to put myself out there? how do i um how do I make you know make, make myself have the ability to, to speak with clarity and, and to be able to be confident enough to express interest in, in somebody that, that sort of thing. It's like, there's still kind of that practical part, right. Or like, you want to go out on a date and you do that love spell but then you're still sitting at but you home. you
0: never leave your house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like, are you like, you know, I imagine that we all want that, that really great meet cute kind of situation where you meet the love of your life, like randomly down the street one day, and you bump into each other and it might be love at first sight, or it might be like enemies to lovers sort of thing. But we you know that it doesn't quite work out that way, <laughs> you know. Part of that is being able to like is to put yourself out there as well. So you know, it's like yes, our magic is like I would say twenty percent. Actually, no, I don't want to say twenty percent prayer. Like I would say it's like forty. I can't do math anyway, prayer. so. <laughs> like. Like, I see it as, like, 40% prayer and then 60%, like, actual mundane action. And I think we we forget that we can make our mundane practices magical, too.
0: What would you say is your biggest struggle when it comes to witchcraft?
1: Part of it for me is that I am so impatient. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I need this, like, now. For favor, ancestors, universe, and you know, my ancestors, universe, people will be like, "Slow down, grasshopper." <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 going to come, or like or I'm at, or I'll be like, "Can you give me a sign of something?" And you you know, and you're kind of hoping for like some major big sign for something. <laughs> And it might end up being something like really tiny. And, or where it's like, is it, is that, is that the sign? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's <laughs> trying to say right now. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. So I'll probably say like that, that's probably the biggest st- struggle um, is kind of like learning how to just like be present with it and just, just completely allow myself to release attachment to the outcome. Um I've found that when I do have that like full on release and just like not expect something to happen, it will. Um, that drives like, me crazy.
0: Like that I remember
1: when, like Sorry. once I like no no, no race, like once I said to a friend of mine, like, Oh, I'm very curious about this individual. Like I am I would I wonder what it would be like to like go out with him or something like that. And so I just I said it, but I didn't really like think too much about it. It wasn't like the the biggest thing in my world in that situation and then I think, like, two months later, we, like, we just, like, connected a little bit, and things got, like, really flirtatious and really, really interesting, and I was just, like, oh, okay, like, okay. I mean, obviously, like, it, it did not work out in the long run, which is a good thing, <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> but it was one of those, like, I just kind of said it and didn't really, like, think about it. I wasn't, like. Oh notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm very curious. Eh, okay. And then just kind of like went about my business and then yeah.
0: What is one of the witchy things you geek out about?
1: Okay. Okay. Alright. <laughs> <You laughs> <buddy. laughs> I love when people are excited about this stuff. (laughs) Like, this is so serious, but, like, I am standing up. I stood up. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I've always been, like, a very visual person. Um, I, like, color is just one of those things that, that resonates with me so much. Like, I have, like, I have a ton of fountain pens. I have a bajillion different colors. Like I ha- like how many variations of blue can one person have? But I have a lot of variations <laughs> of blue. But the thing that's really powerful is that each color has its own significance, right? It has its own interpretation. Um To kind of go into like color psychology and and branding, like different colors convey different moods, which is why when we look at different brands they have very specific colors like a lot of food places you'll Mm -hmm. see red red or yellow because they're very appetite stimulating colors um hospitals insurance tend to be blue because it's all about like quote-unquote safety uh you know anything that tends to be like financial is green for obvious reasons um that's, that sort of thing. So there are all of these kind of like psychological influences that color plays into how like we engage with different brands and different products. That sort of thing. And so if we want to go deeper, it's like, how can we then use color as a way to help magnify our intentions, right? And of course, there are generally accepted correspondences, like red is lust, passion, anger, rage, um, desire, sex. But they can also mean whatever it is that you want it to be. Like for, you know, for some people, red can very much be a, a sexual power color for them. It is not for me. My sexual color is blue. <laughs> like, like, I, I feel sexiest when I wear blue. Right? But then blue is a color of intuition. Um, along with purple. Um, it is a color of like safety, comfort, healing. Um, that sort of thing. Like yellow is vibrancy, lightness, sunshine. It can also, it can also be coward, coward, cowardice, that sort of thing. And, but then it's like when you create like your own particular correspondences, you can then think about like how you can use color in, into your work. Like, let's say you want to create a, a money sigil. You know, you can obviously use green because green often signifies money. Our paper, like our physical, like paper of money is green and at least in the United States, right? You could also use brown because money currency, that's an earth quality and brown is an earth color, right? That like that sort of thing. And so for me, like, I always think about like, what color do I want my costuming to be? Because that definitely matters. And then also like, what color do I want my lighting to be? Because like, I can allow for a color like purple, which can, which can be like, which is a, a color of royalty. Um, which is why, side note, you will never see a flag that has the color purple in it because purple dye was extremely expensive and you could only be like absolutely wealthy to have purple dye back in the day. But like when you, like I can kind of see purple lighting as like, like an intimacy, but then it's like an intimacy to a spiritual experience. So like, I have a a piece that is about one particular vulnerable aspect of myself this one uh and it's something that is kind of my connection between like the the physical space and the spiritual space that it's done through like a sexual place and yeah the lighting the lighting is purple and that's by design that sort of thing and so it's really cool to be able to incorporate color into my magical practice because it then, my magical practice and also my choreographic practice because then it creates just this full on experience. Full on. And I'm, I'm very thoughtful about that. Um, not when it, not only when it comes to choreography, but also like that union of choreography into my magical practice.
0: I feel like I'm in a class. This is
1: so neat. Like in a good way. (laughs) It is. It's so cool. It is so cool to think about. Um, And even from a choreographic standpoint, like it's all about, and and I think it works with every, like just like in a spell, you want to make sure that, that the tools that you have all make sense with each other right like am I like in a in a money drawing spell like am I going to you know I, I have like basil and cinnamon because cinnamon is a is a heat herb to help like jump start things um but then am I going to add lavender to that that might that might not make sense like if if your personal correspondence allows for that, awesome. For me, it wouldn't make sense to like add lavender to a money drawing spell. Although I can see I can see why you would, but I almost feel like lavender would almost slow it down, and yeah, especially if you have cement yeah. that's trying to <laughs> heat it up, um, you know, to make it to bring it quicker. But yeah, so so it's kind of like then you know when I'm creating a choreography and I have a song that might be like very aggressive in nature. um, But then am I going to, am I going to wear like a glamorous costume for a piece of music that's aggressive? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive. And that's the thing that's very important in my magical and uh, choreographic process. I want to change track a little bit. Sure.
0: Is there anything that you wish was discussed more in the witch community?
1: I'm not super active necessarily in the larger witch community. I think one of the things that really kind of irks me sometimes is is actually around the concept of the rule of three. And granted I have no problems with that. I personally do not uh abide by it because obviously the rule of three is very specific to Wicca and I am not a Wiccan by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I have a problem when people kind of say like like oh, you know, don't don't do this thing because like like whatever you put out you'll get back. Like what if you hurt someone? I'm like every, like every spell that we do is going to have a negative cost to somebody else. <laughs> like, like that, that's going to happen, right? When, when we're out looking for a job and we're, we're doing the spell to, you know, have the confidence to, to, um, to speak more eloquently or to, ha- or we're putting on a glamour to, in order to, to charm the, the interviewer, that, that sort of thing. And, you know, they feel so compelled that they get you to get, they, they decide to hire you. That means that someone else lost the opportunity for the job. <laughs> like you, you can't like, like opportunity costs happen. Like it happens. And so when people talk about like, Oh, you shouldn't curse anyone because of the rule of three. You shouldn't da, da, da. da. Well, what if I put a protection spell on myself and then that person gets like hit by a car? Like I didn't curse him. I didn't curse them. I just put a protection and on myself. <laughs> and I guess it sounds like this person was trying to do something and, and that, that's, that's what happened.
0: Yeah, I don't um, don't get the rule of three myself.
1: Yeah. And then the other part too, it's like the whole uh, oh, oh, I'm uh, like white magic, black magic, gray magic. I'm like uh, do y'all understand the kind of racial implications around those terminologies? Like in essence saying that like and, and I know that what they mean by quote unquote black magic is one, cur- like, not just like curse work, hexing and things like that, but also like, you know, a lot of rituals that exist within like Santeria, Voodoo, Lukumi, you know, all of those like stereotypical things that exist in that, in the view of that, like do y'all like when people are like oh i don't do any sort of black magic i'm like um do y'all really understand what that means
0: they like, don't though
1: you know and then the other part too is that there are like the, con- the the conversations around appropriation and um this is something that's actually very big within the hoodoo space and hoodoo is um is a very like, it's a, it's a black American spiritual practice that was done, that was created as a way to, for people to still have their practices while creating it under like the image of Christianity, right? It was done so that like the, that enslaved folks were still able to find connection to their spiritual practices. And and you know what happens a lot of times is that there are um you know white practitioners who are like, you know, can I do hoodoo and and of course like everyone has different schools of thought around it. I am not like the end all be all, but I personally am like this like that is a closed practice to anybody who is not an ancestor or, sorry, anyone who's not a descendant of the transatlantic slave trade. And I'm not just talking about going into the American South. I'm also talking about going into Jamaica, going into Haiti, to the Dominican Republic, um, Cuba, like the, the Caribbean as well, because that happened there too. It shows up differently, obviously, than in the American South. But, and so, like, for example, um, in Jamaica, it's called Obia, which is a highly, highly, highly secretive practice. Like, it is super closed.
0: I've never right? even heard of it, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Obia is, is one that's, like, very specific to Jamaica. And, and I, unfortunately, don't know as much about it as I would like to. And it's kind of sad because my lineage is from Jamaica, obviously, but as I said, it is a very secretive, it is a very closed practice. And I think it's kind of like, there are certain things that just don't belong to you that, that you should not have access to because it was created in response to an, to an oppressive system. Right. And so am I gatekeeping? Sure. Maybe, but yeah, I think just like you have, like you have your, your folk magic. Like you have it.
0: I think there's a difference between gatekeeping and protecting, like everything isn't for everybody. I don't think that's yeah. keeping in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Like you know, can I say that like I practice the with the Orisha I don't because I'm I am not initiated. Um I don't think that it's not that I don't think that I'm worthy of of being initiated it's just like I haven't like, they they haven't come to me to say that I need to be initiated. But I also know that a lot of those Orisha are also Orisha from my lineage as well. They're part of my ancestry. So they are a part of me. But I also kind of respect, like, they have not called on me yet. So, you know, I I want to respect that. You know them
0: and this is so far outside my realm of understanding or familiarity that i only have the vaguest sense of what you're talking about which is why i tend to just shut up when it comes up because i don't know so it's not right i don't i don't know so i let people know who know about it talk about it
1: like and it's kind of it's one of those things like i think this is where i don't know if you know about witch talk like it it's ridiculous (laughs) i mean i know it exists like there was this whole thing a few years ago about hexing the moon. I'm like, yes. what? Are, what? What are exactly. you talking about? Like hexing a planetary body that has existed before you, and will exist continue to exist after you. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that.
0: It's like to me, it's like I don't know, ants hexing us. Okay. Yeah. All right like, then.
1: <laughs> okay. Hex like hex this thing that 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 connects to connects to our tides. Like, like yeah. Why would you? Hell? One, I don't think you can. And two,
0: why would you mess with something right. that affects us like that?
1: Right. Like i i i live on an I live on an island that is technically below sea level <laughs> is it yeah new york is yeah. technically new york city is technically below sea level like if you were to go and bridge it over the bridge and stuff you could actually see the boards that like that keep water out of parts of the city
0: holy crap i'm glad i didn't yeah. see it I've, I've been there twice and i'm glad i did not see that either time
1: <laughs> and then and then of course like we've you know, we we've had like a whole bunch of really bad rain last year that like created some. Oh yeah, major, I saw a major bunch of... major flooding. Yeah. Like, like people people died because you know they're in these basement apartments, mm-hmm. and you know when water rushes in like that, it's like there's like it's it's absurd, like how how bad it was, and and it's like like really. Y'all are, y'all are going to try to hex this planetary body? Like, you're really going to try to do that? Mm-hmm. How, how how'd that work out for you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if anyone actually did it, I do wonder if there were... If, if any, there was anything, any response from anything besides everyone else on the internet. There's a I mean, word I'm looking for. I can't remember what it is. Damn it.
1: I mean, I I would love to know myself. Like, I, I imagine that it would have been, like, a whole lot of nothing. Because it's, like, the planets are bigger than us. Like, it would be, like, trying to throw. It would be, like, the equivalent of, like, trying to throw a pushpin at the moon. <laughs>
0: Like, what
1: like is that going to do? Notice. Like, it's not going to notice,
0: Was there any sort of swatting
1: away? Right. If it even made it that far. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Probably not going to go beyond, like, a couple of feet. <laughs> you know? So, that's where, like, certain things can be, can be, like, absurd and I think also a big part of it is like you do also need to need to respect like the deities the orishas that you're working with like and this is why I don't think like like you can't especially when it comes to the orishas like you can't just work with the orishas you can't say that like you're a daughter of Oshun because I know ev- like almost everybody and their mother wanted to be like a daughter of Oshun because like she is kind of the like she is the the Orisha around like love and beauty and sensuality and war because she is both. Um but like why would you do that if she didn't call on you? Like she she didn't call on you, so so why? You know, like I can't I can't be like, I'm a daughter of Oshun. I don't even, I, if they'd called on me, I probably wouldn't be a daughter of Oshun, and that's okay, because they're all beautiful, and they're all worthy of respect and love. But, you know, a big part of it is just, like, respecting where, respecting where it comes from, respecting why it was there. It's. Like, respecting the fact that, like, like knowing that Christianity has been used as an oppressive tool and that, like, enslaved folks have had to create something that allows them to still find connection to their root spirituality without the fear of getting killed yeah <laughs> it's it's a big thing it's a very yeah, very big thing. yeah. i mean hey, and, and no, i don't feel like any
0: Another question
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean and it's like even even for myself like i like i i would love to dive deeper into obia because that is a part of my lineage like as a whole Um, being a a daughter of Jamaican parents, but because I don't, like, once again, like, OBIA is a very secretive practice. It is a very closed practice and, you know, like, like there's a rumor that someone in my family does it, but I don't like her. So I wouldn't trust to go to her anyway. Um, But like it would mean like needing to find somebody who is re- reputable, who is trustworthy, and is willing to share that knowledge. And I think the ones who are reputable and trustworthy to share that knowledge are not the ones who are really sharing that knowledge really nilly.
0: That makes sense. Because I mean, if they're trustworthy and they then they understand it's secret,
1: yeah. And they understand, like, the big implications around sharing that knowledge to just anybody. And to then have it be diluted, for lack of a better term. And having all of the, the historical contexts be removed from it. You know, we have, like, it's important that, that we keep that yeah like the context matters a lot. I know I'm just saying you know like <laughs> this is this like my pers- my perspective, you know, I don't know like there are things that I know that I don't know, and you know this is just like I think one small like just scratching the surface in a lot of ways, it really is. At least that's what I'm hoping that this is doing. It's just scratching the surface. Do you want to scratch deeper? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I think that is where letting my magic show up in the mundane work is really important for me. Um, I don't always necessarily have the privacy to kind of do elaborate rituals like I love working with candle magic I don't necessarily have it in me all the time to do it but then that's where like being able to make a sigil and put it on my whiteboard when I work out comes into play like that's where thinking about my choreography and doing research and, and thinking about like the colors or the animals that I want to embody, um, like the sigils, like what, what part of the body represent the intention that I want to create? Like that, that's where all of that mundane, the quote unquote mundane applies into my magical practice.
0: would you say that witchcraft has changed your life or had an effect on your life and how?
1: I think before I connected to witchcraft, um, I just felt like I was existing in a world that I couldn't quite fit in. Um, I see it as, like, observing and not participating. Um, Just kind of looking at people creating relationships and not understanding how they're creating these relationships and why I wasn't creating these relationships for myself. And I, I felt like in a lot of ways, like, I didn't, know who I was. But I remember like the first moment that like like that I really was like, okay, I'm gonna be very, very serious about this. That it all hit. Um so there's a witch by the name of Pam Grossman and she wrote this amazing book called uh Making Waking the Witch, I believe it's called. Um she's Witch Wake, and- right? Yes, she's Witch Wave Podcast. And I love listening to her podcast. And she was, um, so there's a bookstore in Bushwick called Catland Books. And she was going to do like a book signing plus like have her podcast be filmed there. And, you know, I signed up because I wanted to be part of the audience. And so I went and then I met this other amazing. Witch by the name of Crystal, her name is Ultra Magica on Instagram. And, and she was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna be friends. <laughs> you know, she just like came up to me and she's like, hi. Uh, I mean, some of it was also like, you know, we were maybe there was like a handful of witches of color in the space. <laughs> and so, like, we just like kind of like took to each other. Very very quickly, and and we just like hit it off, and then we met um, Majori, who is the punk priestess on Instagram, and uh, her friend uh, Brittany, and then we also met another witch the name Abigail, and we just like we hit it off, and it felt so amazing to just have a community like to just create this community of of witches like to just you know we we've gathered maybe twice and then the pandemic happens and you know blah but like we've had these instances where you know we you know, first time we all got together, hung out at Central Park, and we we're doing readings for each other, just talking about our magical practice. Um, then one day, like in February before the pandemic, when we all got together, we made like spell jars, we did some, uh, candle, candle magic, and we watched the craft. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was so funny because I'm, I'm the oldest of all of them. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it was just, it felt so amazing to just like, to just be in this community of like-minded people, of people yes. who, um, in a lot of ways, like, you know, even though we have to navigate this world as best we can, there's also still this thing that serves as an act of rejection of, of what is, you know, and it, like, it was so, it was such a powerful moment, and even just, like, that one moment of, you know, I'm on my way there, and I was like, man, it would be really awesome to just like, meet so many cool people, like, how cool would it be to have, like, a coven? And then all of a sudden, like I meet Crystal and, you know, the rest is history. Like, you know, unfortunately, like we haven't gathered as much and, and, uh, one of the members had to move away, but we're all still just like, so, so very connected with each other. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to be able to just like have that and to know that, that. It came from being a witch and being able to own it and be unapologetic about it. I love it so much. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where I would be without it. You know, I really don't. <laughs> I
0: or what would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice?
1: Hmm. This is a very, this is a very, uh, that's a hard question, actually. Huh. I, I don't necessarily know that I have, like, influences on my practice. Um, actually, no, that's not true. Uh, one is definitely Pam Grossman. Um, listening to her podcast and listening to, how so many creatives use their their magic in their art. Um she had an interview with Tamara Santibanez, who is a tattoo artist, and she talked about how, you know, she incorporates spells, spell work into her tattoos. I mean, of course like with client permission and stuff like that. Um but yeah, like her Having that space for people to talk about that was really, like, like, pivotal for me to be able to, like, dive in to my my journey as a witch. I would say another witch. Okay, so she's actually more of a, a local person. She's not necessarily out there in the public sphere. Her name is Toya. And she used to be a belly dancer. I don't think she belly dances as much anymore, but she is someone who is just so unapologetic. Um, she's a root worker. I uh, should also preface by saying like, but she has been such an influence for me in, um in her, her practice. Like she's just so unashamed of it and she has so much wisdom to share that i um i adore her and i'm like so honored every time to like be around her <laughs> and actually i uh, i did a reading with her a few years ago and she did she likes to do this thing where uh she does a like a musical shuffle like a music message just based on her playlist and the song that she Old for me that, that came for me was Nina Simone's Obia Woman. Hmm. And so that that stuck with me. And then the the third person hmm. Like that this one this third person's really hard. You I don't think have to have Aja. Any. No, I'm gonna say it like Aja. Um so Aja uh she doesn't perform anymore as far as I know. But she uh but, she was the belly dancer who I got my first tarot deck from. And it was because of her that that I allowed myself to just like go in it and to say like yeah I'm gonna do this and just and just like explore this and just see what happens and see what what comes out and what what gets created
0: who would you like to hear answer these sorts of questions on the show
1: I would love, love, love if you were to interview either Crystal or Majori. So Crystal is Ultra Magica on Instagram. I already followed
0: her while we were talking.
1: (laughs) And Majori is is the punk priestess on Instagram. And they're such amazing human beings. Um, And actually, uh, I don't know if you saw, but there was this vice uh, segment that featured actually all three of us because <laughs> um, they were just talking about African spirituality and black, black people like connecting to, to like ATR, which is African traditional religion. Um And, you know, and then also the connection to like hoodoo and witchcraft and all of that. And yeah, like, and, we're we're featured in, in the segment. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Oh.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to bring up or
1: ask? Yeah, absolutely. So um I teach weekly classes. So I have a drop in called Dancer's Choice, which is geared towards dancers who want to refine their belly dance technique. That's on Tuesdays at seven forty five PM. Eastern, um, Thursdays, uh, there's always a specialty topic for the month. So for the month of May, uh, it's all about combination creation and just how to find ease and comfort in learning how to create combinations and then followed up with a restorative mobility flow because it's important that we also have uh, mobility work as a part of our dance practice. But then my my favorite.
0: It's also part of your life. I am suffering because I didn't do that. So people go do that.
1: Yes, it is super important, but I will say my absolute favorite, my favorite is dancing the tarot. And I started in January. This is going all the way through to December. So we are going through each card of the major arcana. So it's every other Wednesday. I know right now we're in May. So we will have the Hermit coming up this coming Wednesday, and then the Wheel of Fortune uh, the Wednesday, like, not the next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. And so twice a month, we are going through two different cards of the Major Arcana, going all the way to the world by December. And it is a freestyle Flow class where we spend about the first 15, 20 minutes kind of writing about finding insights on the specific card in the major arcana, what the meanings, what the meanings we can associate with are, how does it relate to the Fool's journey. And then we do a, a series of movement prompts based on that specific card. And then we just have this really amazing discussion amongst each other around like what discoveries they've made for them as an artist or from a personal standpoint, like it started out as a choreography lab or creative lab. And then it just turned into something that felt more about, um about healing and, and just having the space to kind of come face to face with whatever lessons they need to learn from that specific card. And it's so powerful. And I love it. Um, So if you follow me on the Dancer Witch uh, Instagram, you'll be able to see on my link tree that there is the Dancing the Tarot series.
0: And that's an in-person class?
1: Uh, It's online. So
0: because I was going to say, I know, lots of people who would want to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it is online. So it is at the comfort of your home. Um, so all I ask is just having a contained space for an hour and 15 minutes so that you're not disturbed by life. Um, it's not recorded because it is a vulnerable practice, but I do send a recap of the, um, of the cards meanings. I send a recap of the prompts that we work with as well as the music that i play because i create playlists for each card and and it's all completely shuffle so i never know what song comes up but in a lot of ways it kind of works out that whatever the prompt is the music is in such alignment with it and it's such a, a a wonderful such a wonderful experience that is so cool yeah. That oh, and then all excited. of my classes are online too. Yeah. That, all my I'm classes are online. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then of course, there is a uh, love letters, three visions of visions of the unspoken. And that is going to premiere September 17th on Crowdcast. And it's going to run for a week. So you can Purchase your ticket. You'll get a link to the Crowdcast. If you can't make it live, you can still have time to watch it whenever, but only for a week. And there are so many amazing performers. I have uh, Brenna Crowley, Amy Sigil, Michelle Sorensen, Bevan Victoria, Mae Yang, Elsa, um, Undyne, Ebony Qualls, Yay! Aubrey Hill, Heather Labonte, and Francesca Vani. There's like such amazing dancers and movers and filmmakers, and I highly recommend it. Uh, once again, if you visit my page on Instagram, you'll also see a link to the Eventbrite to purchase a ticket. And then once you purchase, you'll be able to register for the Crowdcast. And then on September 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. It will, we will
0: premiere. And it'll be in the show notes below. Now the final questions.
1: Yay! Well, they're
0: not actually questions, but number one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please recommend something, anything at all. Doesn't have to be witch or dance or anything related. It can be something random like, hey, I saw this really cool TV show. Or, I really like this brand of peanut butter. Recommend something to the listeners.
1: Soap carving ASMR is great.
0: (laughs) I do really like that. It sounds so nice.
1: Especially the soap cubes. Oh my gosh, it is amazing.
0: (laughs) Where it falls <laughs>
1: yes. Or like they're crushing the roses to the soap roses. Fantastic. I don't even know how I found it, but it's the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Second the thing. Best. Yes. Second thing. Please tell me a story that you love to tell.
1: Oh, I have a I have a perfect one. I have a perfect one. So Apparently, I have, I have a move called the Danielle that my friends have declared the Danielle. And it's basically, like, I have one arm that's curved upwards and one arm that's curved downwards, and I have a tilt in my body. And so one of my friends pointed out, like, yeah, you have that Danielle. Like, I've, I've declared it the Danielle. And so on and so so forth. I'm like, I don't have a move. not my move? And they're like, Yeah, that's your move. So then another friend of mine came by, and friend A was like, Hey, do you know that Danielle? This friend was oh, no. drunk, mind you. <laughs> drunk, mind you. All had to do was hear the Danielle, and she went right into that move. <laughs> it was like, I was like are you pretty serious <laughs> like and afterwards I was like you know what I'm not going to do that move anymore <laughs> because it's what people expect the things yeah. that your friends tell you about you <laughs> it, indeed indeed
0: well thank you so much for being on the show and for talking to me I had such a good time it was very well, educational
1: it's so much fun thank you yay and thank you again
0: for coming and i will see you on instagram
1: yes i will see you on the
0: grill Bye. bye daniel and i actually talked for about 30 minutes more but for the sake of brevity i cut it short for the podcast However, if you want to know the five things that make up the summoning spell to call Danielle, plus a few more interesting tidbits, head over to my Patreon at patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios, where you can hear bonus content from interviews, bloopers, get recipes. You can even sign up for a box of magical items and spells from me every month. I really think you'll like the conversation we had over there, so go check it out. Patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. It's time for another podcast love letter. This one says, Kim is awesome. I love listening to her interviews and her voice is so soothing. Her guests are so unique and have such interesting stories and viewpoints. She absolutely deserves this. Thank you so much. I do try really hard to get a variety of people because all my listeners are different. So all the guests should be too. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, at youraveragewitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key click on Your Average Witch podcast and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com cleverkinscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.